Hi, and welcome to I Know You Meant Well, a podcast brought to you by The Activist Collab. All right, well, I am so excited today to be joined by disability rights activist, Isabel Rocha, as she is a member of The Activist Collab. She is also a teacher and one of the founders of Disability Together, which is an organization that spreads awareness and education about disabilities through social media. Um, we're also joined by dancer, author, and disability rights advocate, Sarah Todd Hammer. Sarah Todd has written three books at the age of 19, uh, <laughs> 5K Ballet and a Spinal Cord Injury, Determination, and Up and Down. She also writes articles for several news publications, and she speaks on behalf of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, along with all sorts of other amazing things she's going to tell you about as we chat. So thank you guys so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you both. Thank I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> um, so you're both, obviously, as I said, disability rights advocates. We are doing a podcast called I Know You Meant Well. So a very obvious topic, I feel like, to discuss today with the two of you is this idea of inspiration porn that often gets discussed around or, or talked about when we talk about um, disabilities and when we talk about the education and awareness of disabilities and how that gets dispensed in the world. So that's going to be our topic today. <laughs> I am so happy that we're talking yeah. about this because it is not talked about enough. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. It's super important. So yeah, can you guys, for anybody that's listening that may not know what we're talking about, can you explain what this, what is inspiration porn? What does it mean to you? So inspiration porn um, is using disabled people to inspire others based on just being disabled. Um, and this can show up in a couple of different ways. So a lot of abled people will look at a disabled person that is doing something, something impressive and say, wow, I can't believe they're doing that. What's your excuse? Why can't you do that? Um, at like a photo of an Olympian. <laughs> um, and the other way that it often shows up is by looking at a disabled adult that is doing something basic, like brushing their teeth and saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're brushing your teeth. How amazing of you. That's so awesome, sweetie. And talking to us like we're toddlers. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of two very specific examples under a big, big umbrella term. <laughs> and it's also typically used to make non-disabled people feel better about themselves and feel like, oh, my life is so great. Like, wow, I could be having that hardship. Like I could be disabled. And it's acting like disability is the worst thing that could ever happen to a person and taking that idea and using that to just make you feel better and inspired. Um, and it also like in this whole process perpetuates harmful misconceptions about the disability experience. Like, as I said, that disability is the worst thing that could happen to someone that's a harmful misconception and it perpetuates tons of others as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering if we could kind of start a little bit get some background story on both of you and talk about how you both have become disability advocates for for what if in, in in each of your focus areas um can we start with you sarah todd and tell a little bit about sort of your backstory mm -hmm, of course so i'm 19 year, years old now and i've been dis disabled for 11 years so since i was eight so i wasn't born with my disability 
And I have a condition called acute flaccid myelitis or AFM for short. And this is caused by a virus attacking the spinal cord. So I have a spinal cord injury and I was originally a quadriplegic. I couldn't move anything from the neck down and I've now recovered a lot, but I have paralysis in my arms and hands. So that's my main disability now. And I got into activism pretty early on after I became disabled. I was 10 years old when I started writing my first book. And then I wrote my two other books when I was 14 and 17. And after I wrote the first book, I just realized how big of an impact the book made on families who have kids with AFM and similar disorders. And that's what really motivated me to keep doing more activism. And so that's kind of how I got into writing articles for publications and speaking. And I just realized I love writing and speaking so much. And I care about so many topics related to the disability community so much. And so that's why I've just kept on going with the activism since I wrote my first book. And that's how I am where I am today. <laughs> Amazing. And Isabel, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah. So um, similarly to Sarah Todd, I started um, my disability journey a long time ago. So I developed chronic pain starting at age six. Um, it's been almost 18 years. Um, and unlike Sarah Todd, my experience has been sort of progressive with both my disability and my activism. So um, I had just been kind of complaining about ableism in my personal life to my friends and just on my Twitter and um, just complaining about experiences that happened to me and um, trying to put like an educational spin on things. So I would, you know, post something that happened and tell everyone like how that could have gone differently um, and trying to talk about things that people don't really think about often. And um, my friend Rachel and I had been doing this back and forth. We're both disabled. So we would just share experiences with each other daily and, you know, talk about things we wish that people knew. And we were sort of inspired last summer to put that into action and start an organization. So we started Disability Together and we're currently almost a year in and we've been focusing really on um, posting on social media and just sharing, like I said, things that people don't think about often and talking about accessibility and ableism and experiences from all different types of disabled people. Um, and yeah, that's sort of where I'm at now. That's so amazing. I mean, you definitely <laughs> check out their Instagram. Disability Together is really, you do such a good job of thinking, of talking about things that a lot of people never thought about. It's really, it's Thank really every day that I see one, I'm just like, God, I didn't think about that either. <laughs> so I think you guys do an amazing job. But on that topic, I wonder if you guys both have an example you could, could talk about, you know, as we're talking about inspiration porn, is there, have you experienced somebody using you or your disability in a way that, that you would describe as sort of overly, um, I don't know, yeah, like inspirationalizing your journey? <laughs> I mean, for me personally, mostly the comments that I receive related to my disability are on my social media because when you look at me, most people can't really like tell that I have a disability. It's not like immediately obvious to them. So since I post a lot about my disability and disability in general on social media, I get most of my comments there. And I have had people say like, wow, like you're, you're so inspirational. You know, some people 
can't move and I'm complaining about my life or um, I've had people when they've seen how impactful um, it, being independent is for me. Like I had a video where I was showing the first time I was able to take a shower on my own because I had adaptations made in my bathroom and I was showing that and someone said something like, wow, like some people can't even shower and I'm complaining about my life. And so that's kind of the same attitude. They're not like directly saying I'm inspirational, but it's kind of the same idea. So I've definitely had that a lot, like on like in comments on social media, for sure. So mine, um, I use a mobility aid. So I do get a lot of comments in person because people can sort of like immediately tell um, that I am disabled, even if they can't tell why um, or what my disability is. But I do get a lot of comments in person of people just directly telling me that I'm inspirational for like completing mundane tasks. And I think it is important to mention that disabled people listening right now might have different feelings towards inspirational porn, depending on how you view your own disability. Um, and that can come from internalized ableism that we kind of all have in our I think I can say collectively constantly um, working against, or um, it can just depend on how you have accepted your disability and how you feel about being disabled. Because um, I've had times where I will work through a really difficult patch of pain and do something that I think is really cool um, and feel really accomplished. And if I make a comment that is like, oh, I had such a bad pain day today and I got all this stuff done and I'm really proud of myself. I think it's totally appropriate for someone to reply and be like, wow, you're amazing. Like, congratulations, that's awesome. However, if someone just watches me do something that they think they wouldn't be able to do if they were in my position and then they decide to tell me that I'm so inspirational or strong or a warrior, that gives me a really different feeling because I didn't initiate that and I might not feel like what I just did was you know, so cool. Um, and what you're indirectly telling me either way is that you think it's so unbelievable that I'm choosing to like live my life um, and that you can't imagine ever living like me. And that's always the underlying tone of no matter what the comment is or how people word it, it's always received as I can't believe you're living that life. It's so sad. And that's what's so harmful about it. That's what I think people don't understand is like I'm not always inspirational and it's not offensive to tell me that something I do is inspiring if it's like actually a cool task. Like if you could say it to an able person, if you're like, oh wow, you started an organization a year ago and you've already put out all this educational content you have all these engaged followers, that's so amazing. Like, yeah, it is. Cause that's a really cool accomplishment. But like me getting up in the morning, even if it was difficult for me, you don't get to decide that that was difficult for me. So I think that's like a main difference. And if people are listening and they have different feelings about it because of their own disability, that's totally okay. But I think as disabled people, we get to initiate that conversation and we get to decide when we are doing something that's really cool and when we're just being a person. Yeah, it's interesting. That's, maybe that's a good baseline way to think about it is if you wouldn't say it to somebody who is able-bodied, then you shouldn't say it to somebody who's disabled either. Right. Yeah. You know, Definitely. that's like your, your, your shortcut, your little cheat to think about what, what's about to come out of your mouth. Right. <laughs> and, also, and I think, oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I was just going to say like, also asking yourself why you think they're inspirational. So 
if you see a disabled person and you want to tell them they're inspirational, just maybe taking a step back and thinking, wait, like, why do I think they're inspirational? And then that could really help you uh, dissect like why you're thinking this way about this person. And you might be able to be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Yeah. And I think like abled people also have experiences where sometimes you're just having a day where you're not feeling so great. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I like got all this stuff done today. I can't believe I went to work. And like, maybe you did something that's like super mundane to you and to everyone else. Like, it just seems like a boring task. Like, oh my gosh, I went grocery shopping. And like, that was huge for me today. Cause I was really not having a great day. Like they get to initiate that conversation. So I think it's really, it's just the same for us. Like not deciding for someone what about their life is inspiring is really good across the board, not just for disabled people. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if you, if there was something that you wish that able-bodied people would say or do differently, I guess like if somebody came up to you and, and said something that you sort of, yeah, I can't believe you did that. That was amazing. You're brushing your teeth. Is so What's a better way to frame that? Um, I think asking about accessibility barriers um, is a good place to start because I think a lot of the perception of us being so inspirational is that we're like sort of moving around barriers that exist in society. And this will completely differ for people based on what their disability is and sort of what their access needs are. Um, but sort of framing it in like a way of like, how could this be better for you um like what is what about this task is challenging is there something about this task that is really challenging for you is there something you wish was different um instead of you know making that assumption for them um and I think Sarah Todd probably has a lot better experiences with that sort of question than I do um but there are a lot of things that would be a lot easier for us if people put the time and energy into creating more accessible technology um, and tools to help us. And yeah, I really would like Sarah Todd to expand on that because she has a lot of experience using tools like that. Yeah, it's so funny that was your answer because I was thinking the same thing, like, <laughs> you know, talking about like access needs or like asking how could society like make this more functional for you? Like, how can we help? That is a really good place to start. And it's so funny because we were actually just talking about this. Like I have mentioned before that I'll often say that a product that exists just for like the general population is not accessible to me. So I can't tie shoes. So that's, this is an example I use a lot. I'll say, you know, I can't tie shoes. I don't want to always have to wear slip on shoes. So society should help make shoes with laces accessible. And it's so funny because when I mentioned this, people get angry and they think that it's my problem as the disabled person to adapt sh like shoes and find something that works for me when I'm just like one person, like I couldn't do that on my own. And just because I'm disabled doesn't mean that should be my problem. And so it's so interesting to me because people will comment on disabled people and say like, you're so inspirational because you are putting on shoes and I know that's difficult for you but then they'll refuse to help us adapt things mm -hmm. and I, I just don't understand that line there <laughs> yeah. why does this need to be inspirational this shouldn't have to be inspirational it should just be easy and very normal for us to be able to do this yeah mm -hmm. yeah 
And Isabel, I think we were also talking too earlier about how you and, and Sarah Todd both kind of have a different way that you view sort of your disability activism, I think in general. And I wondered if you could talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, so I um, don't feel happy about being disabled simply because my disability, uh, my primary disability is chronic pain. Um, so I actually have the most severe pain condition known to science currently, and I don't remember the feeling of relief. I have no idea what that feels like. I've been in pain for so long um, that it's kind of all I really know. Um, and it's really difficult to deal with on a daily basis. Like it makes everything I do really difficult for me. <laughs> um, and because of that, I don't feel I'll ever be at like 100% acceptance of my disability because I don't like it, obviously. I just, I don't like being in pain. Um, so that sort of warps my perception of my disability because I can't be in a place where I'm happy with it. Um, but for disabled people that don't necessarily have something that is like causing them a lot of harm on a daily basis, it's, I think, probably a lot easier to be accepting um, and just sort of like neutral or happy about it. Um, if it's not sort of interfering when you're with your life in a way where it's like constant pain like mine is. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because, you know, we've talked about this a lot together too. Like for me, you know, I'm lucky enough that I've reached the stage where I'm fully accepting of my disability and it took me a long time, but I've been able to get there because my disability, you know, I just have paralysis and I did have a lot of pain from having scoliosis and having surgery and things like that. And I do occasionally have like neck pain and stuff like that, but I'm not just living in constant pain. That's like really, you know, interfering with my life all the time. So for me, it is easy to just go about my day and like not be thinking about like, oh, I can't move my hand. Like, you know, I can easily forget about that. So there is a difference with being able to accept your disability when it's something that is constantly like hurting you and you can't forget about it versus a disability like mine where I can accept it and just realize that this is how I am going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how there would be a very different, yeah, every, I mean, everybody's, everybody's different. Every ability is very different and, and how you, in different stages that you are in your life in terms of acceptance, I'm sure is also a really big part of that as well. Yeah. Definitely. And I think if your disability is progressive, like mine is, um, my pain constantly worsens over time. Um, so I also feel like I'm constantly having to adjust to like new symptoms and new levels of pain. Um, and that kind of, you know, never being like at a place where I kind of know where I am <laughs> and uh, feeling like I'm sort of stable in uh, what I'm experiencing is also like kind of challenging. And I don't, I mean, I don't hate being disabled. Um, I just hate my disability. So um, I don't think I'll ever be in a place where I'm like fully accepting just because of that, but I don't hate the experience itself. I just don't like mine. <laughs> yeah. What do you, can you guys both tell me what, I know that like we were just talking about sort of acceptance and where you are and wanting to be accepted by others that see you as, as just, you know, as normal as they are. What are things that you guys have done in your own personal journeys to get to the place of acceptance that you are? Are there, are you, do you, are you, do you meditate? Are you into like journaling? Like what kinds of things have you done that has helped you 
get to the place of acceptance that you have gotten to? Um, for me, I've just been super fortunate to have family that really supports me and that's helped me a lot. And, you know, not everyone has that. And I think it's definitely easier to accept yourself and your disability when you have family members there for you who love you. And so my mom has really helped me through that. We're like best friends. Like we were close before I became disabled, but we're like even closer now. And I know she would do anything for me. Like she helped me brush my hair before this podcast. So like, <laughs> she will help you do anything. And so just knowing I have someone there for me like that has really helped. And also just for me, like personally, just focusing on the positive things. So I just started kind of realizing a few years into my disability that there were so many things that I had experienced that were great experiences. And I knew I wouldn't have had them without my disability. So my main one I talk about a lot is my Make-A-Wish trip. Like I wouldn't have had that happen if I didn't have a disability. Um, and also I've just realized I've learned so much about the disability experience and I most likely wouldn't know as much as I know if I weren't disabled. And I love that I have this insight and that I'm able to better empathize with people. And so just really focusing on those things has helped me and just having that support, support system has helped me. And those have just been huge things for me in my acceptance journey. Well, now that you've brought up the Make-A-Wish trip, we have to know what it is. Will you tell us about it? <laughs> People love hearing about this. They laugh. <laughs> um, so in 2014, I had my Make-A-Wish and I was 12 and I met One Direction and I went to their concert. It was actually in Detroit, where Isabel is. Um, and it was so fun. I got to go backstage and meet them. And I actually gave them my first book because that was the one I had out at that time. And ever since then, at every concert I go to, Harry from 1D like recognizes me in the crowd every time. Are you serious? Yeah, it's so amazing. It's so cool. So like my wish has lived on for like years after. How many shows have you been to? Oh my gosh. I've probably been to 10 One Direction concerts, I think, and a few Harry concerts. And I'm supposed to go see Louis. I've seen Niall as well. So I've been to so many. That's amazing. That's yeah, really so cool. fun. That's really cool. What about you, Isabel? So I wasn't going to bring this up, but similarly, I had a really amazing conversation with Taylor Swift about um, my disabilities and my pain. Um, and I just felt like so great after that. It was like- How so did that happen? Um, so she invited me to her house to hear um, the album Reputation before it was released. And then um, we had like a very long conversation and a lot of it was kind of centered on a diagnosis I had gotten like two weeks before that um, and just sort of my journey. And she was the most incredible person <laughs> about the whole thing. Um, and that was super helpful. But I would say um, other than that, I think Disability Together has really helped in the last year because I've gotten to channel a lot of my experiences into education and I've had a lot of people that are so kind and have said that um, what we've posted has really helped them like kind of get a new understanding on something that they had not previously thought about um, and that feels really awesome to be able to introduce people to kind of like a new mindset. Um, and I also feel like I've connected with the entire disability community a lot 
from being a part of it for so long. Um, and I've got to learn about a lot of different disabilities since our community is so big and everyone is so different. And we all have such different experiences. Um, it's really amazing to get to learn about other disabled people and kind of know that I am being more accepting and like my content and my personal spaces are more accessible um, because of the knowledge that I've gained from other disabled people. And yeah, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have that. So even though Sarah Todd and I are on such different levels of like acceptance, I, um, I also think I'm like super grateful for those experiences, even if I don't like kind of the result of my disability, I am like really lucky that um, I've been able to kind of have those connections with other disabled people. And I wouldn't take that back. That community that you've been able to build for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Thank you guys so much for both sharing your stories because I do think that, yeah, this is a, a side of this conversation that doesn't always get talked about. And I think it's really important. And before we go though, I like to start asking folks on our podcast, it is called, I know you meant well, if you have an, I know you meant well story, because the whole point of this podcast is to try to help people that do and say things that they think are supportive and helpful, but are not. And sometimes they are well-meaning and sometimes this is, this is, they hide behind, I know you meant well. Um, But I'm just wondering if either one of you have an experience that you could share of somebody that that meant well, but missed the mark pretty, pretty significantly. <laughs> oh, I guess I'll go first. Um, I guess, so I guess I really have two. Um, the first one that comes to my mind is when people will say, I don't consider you disabled, or I don't see you as disabled, or like, you're not disabled to me. Um, I get this comment a lot on my social media and the way I read it is they're seeing that I'm accomplishing things or like I'm a college student and I'm like succeeding and they don't think disabled people are capable of succeeding. So then in their mind, I'm not disabled to them because I'm accomplishing something. So in essence, they're basically saying like, you can't possibly be disabled because disabled people can't do anything. Um, So it's just a very backhanded compliment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I typically try to reply to these people and explain like nicely, like, oh, like, thank you so much for your kind words, because they'll leave me like genuine compliments also. And then I just try to say like, but like being disabled is a big part of my identity and I want to accept my disability. There's nothing wrong with me being disabled. So you can feel free to see me as disabled. Um, So that's a main one that I thought of and Also, another thing is people going ahead and just helping me when I haven't asked them for help. And the whole helping disabled people thing can be very tricky because every situation is different. But there will be times where, especially in high school, where one time I was in class and I was just trying to open a marker and I knew I could do it. It was just taking me a little bit longer. And a girl just grabbed it out of my hands and just opened it for me and then handed it back to me. And I was like, oh, here you go. And I felt so bad because this girl was like so sweet, one of the sweetest people in my school. And so I knew she just really wanted to be helpful, but I could have opened the marker without help. And that's just a, a very random example, but just something that came to mind. So I guess just not stepping in and helping disabled people unless they explicitly ask you to 
or if you're like friends with them and you know it's something they always need help with you can like feel free to like help them if that's something you've agreed on but those two experiences came to my mind those are both really good that's funny that you said that because I was going to say the exact same thing um it really bothers me when people just step in and do something for me or this happens all the time for some reason I'll be in the middle of doing something and then someone like you said will just like take something out of my hands and like decide that they're going to carry it for me or you know run in front of me and open a door but like they actually open it in a way that's like hard for me to walk around them um and so you're like making my life more difficult and trying to help and then I feel bad like asking them to not do that because I know that they're trying to be kind but like if you would have just asked me then you could have genuinely helped me and for me personally when people just step in and do something it makes me feel like people think I'm a burden which is something that a lot of disabled people really struggle with a lot I know it's something that I struggle with all the time is you know, feeling like my family and friends are burdened by basically my existence because they have to do things for me so often. So part of it is like, I want to be able to do as much as I can. And like, it feels good to me when I'm able to do something, then I can complete a task. Um, and I also just want to feel like when I do need to ask for help, like I don't feel more guilty for doing so because people have already done so much for me. Um, so I don't know, it just, it, I don't like when people just step in and assume, it just gives me the assumption that they think I can't do it. And like, I just wanna try, like, even if I can't, even if you have to step in and help me, like, let me ask for that first. Yeah. All right, those are all very good examples um, that I'm sorry you both deal with on a, such a regular basis. Thank you so much for, for joining us, Sarah Todd, and for Isabel for returning again as a co-host. I really appreciate you. your time. <laughs> Thank you. This was great. This was such a good conversation. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about the Activist Collab, you can follow us on Instagram at the Activist Collab or online at theactivistcollab.com. New episodes of I Know You Meant Well will be coming out every Thursday. So we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>